Welcome to Zach to the Future. I'm your co-host, Dashiell Driscoll, joined today by Rabbi Mark Paul Gosler. Hello, Mark Paul. Shalom. Shalom. That's correct. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I just figured out you start off the show the same way every episode. Yes. Uh, and you sort always of. say, I'm joined today by mm. my co-host. Like, who else would join you, by the way? You brought this up. I, I don't, <laughs> I mean, look, I, this is, I think you brought that up episode four. Because okay. I was like, I did like a Wayne's World thing, like joined as always. But, and you were like, of course I'm here. Right. Like, well, it, it's I don't taken know. me another. You gotta another, start the show somehow. I mean, this is our 47th episode, as we were discussing before. We, uh, we, we came on the air, as, as radio yes. folks say. Um, so if I had, you know, for uh, the fourth episode, so that was about, if I did my math right, 43 episodes for me to ask you again. Um, yeah. so, you know, to we'll, notice, yeah, to yeah. notice, we'll, uh, we'll let another, uh, 40 plus slide and then I'll ask you again. Like, who are you expecting as your other co-host? I, I try to do like a Simpsons chalkboard thing where it's like every time you get a new intro based on the episode. So yeah. I am trying to like, no, uh, you but know, you do the new intro, like, uh, <laughs> join another, which I always enjoy. Like I, I was the rabbi yeah. today. Uh, I enjoy yeah, the that. rabbi today. Yeah. yeah. Good. Um, but <laughs> I'm just questioning like who else is going to join you other than me. Um, you know, but, there was some, well, we could look, we could do the summary, but I'm going to dwell on this for another minute. Last week was actually a different intro because we had Leah here and I wanted to not give you a fancy, I didn't give you a goofy moniker or something because I didn't know if she listened to the podcast. So I just like cruised past your here and got into she's here. So last week was a little different. And it turns out she did listen to the podcast. I thought last episode did, yeah. was was an amazing episode. Thank you, Leah, again. Thank uh, you. Yeah. We we got a little bit of uh, press off of that, um, which is always nice. Uh, of course, my, it, they they spin it in a little bit just uh, to to make it a little bit more clickable. Um, but I I felt it was all positive and and all good and and uh, would love to have her on the show again at some point. I don't know why we'd have her on the show other than I don't she's know why a, <laughs> she's a great guest. Busy. <laughs> well, she is busy. She was so good, yeah. But she's so good, and it was such an easy interview for us, and and uh, it went on a lot longer than we had expected. I told her that it would be no longer than an hour. I think we, I mean, looking down at our uh, recorder that we that we. Um, that we do this on. It was like an hour 45 or so. I felt terrible, but she didn't want to, I mean, it didn't seem like she, she wanted to leave at any point. So, you know, we, we just kept rolling with it. It was, it was, it was fun. Yeah. That was a great episode. I, I listened to it multiple times. I, I, I loved hearing the whole thing. It was, it was great, but let's not talk about that episode. Right. Mark Paul, let's <laughs> people tune into this one, which is, uh, the wicked stepbrother part one. And why not do a summary? You know, why not? As is tradition. Zach scores tickets to a Dodgers playoffs game that's happening during school. Jesse meets her mean new stepbrother from New York, Eric, who aggressively hits on Lisa. Zach lies about being Jewish for Rosh Hashanah to go to the game. Eric sees Zach in the crowd catching a foul ball on a tape of the game and uses it to blackmail Zach. Eric also blackmails Jesse and Slater with an audio tape of them together. He blackmails Jesse for her room and Slater to use his car for a date. Belden got a Miata for his wife and wants Slater to install a CD player. Zack and Slater plot to trick Eric into thinking the car is Slater's, then blackmail him with a photograph of Eric driving. Only Eric lets Lisa drive the car after a surprisingly nice date, and when Screech takes the picture, Lisa crashes in the parking lot, dun-dun-dun, to be continued. And we're in Act 1 of this two-parter, the first 
uh, two-parter of in Say by the Bell history, worth noting. Won't be the last. Won't be the last this season. Oh, is that right? What other what what else is going to be continued? Christmas. You have a very special Christmas that that takes two episodes to tell the story. And that happens in school? No. It it happens I don't think you're actually at school one second of the Christmas special. Really? Where it's are a we? full it's a full blown adventure. Uh mostly the mall and then uh it's like largely the mall. Huh. And a hospital. I don't want to spoil too much. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't remember it. I, I, you don't remember I, I a goddamn know. thing. I can tell you anything. You're on the moon. You're yeah. on, it's called Christmas on the Moon Listen, Part 1 you, and 2. You could tell me that, and I, would, I, I, would, I wouldn't second guess you. You'd be like, I vaguely remember Christmas on the Moon. It was fun. That was a fun week. We had a cool rap party. Um, we're in the max here for uh, Zach holding tickets. Just, I'm so acutely aware of this now that like, no one... No one carried concert tickets around, but how else are you going to know he has tickets to a to a baseball game or a well, George Michael concert? Yeah, how did that work back then? Back in the nineties, I, I think you did have tickets. No, didn't you go to like you ticket you master did, but you or something? Oh yeah, no, I used to I used to ride my bike to like the Ticketmaster on Ventura Boulevard and like purchase hard tickets right as a youth, uh, but I wouldn't carry them around in my pocket for like a month and be like, look oh, at these. Oh, I see what like, you're saying. Like Zach's like. Pulling up to the max, be right. like, check it out. Right. He did it with the George Michael tickets too. And he's going to do it with MC Hammer tickets. I mean, I know it's TV. You know, I get it. But it is like, those things also, they're not easy to replace if you were, if they were damaged or, you know, lost. Right. Not well, like now. But we do that. It's a trope on, on, <coughs> on you know, television and film. On TV. TV, mm, yeah. Yeah. Mostly on TV, yeah. but you know, like a football player has to carry a football. We do this on Gotta the reimagining, the by the way. I, I made we this, do. I know. I, I made this we're, we're guilty of it too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this isn't like oh, a '90s thing that we that we've we've come out no. of. Uh, we're still doing it today. I mean, it's it's we're like still doing oh, it. uh, Jamie on the reimagining is a football player. He just played football. He should be carrying a football. It 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 is it is helpful visual storytelling. <laughs> Um, I always, and, uh, I yeah, always also, tend to think that an audience is smarter than that. And I, I like too. to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, I know, though, you know, dealing with studios and networks, um, sometimes they really want you to spell things out. And I know mm-hmm. that you writers and, you know, showrunners and things like that will tend to f- put up a fight to say, no, our audience is smarter than this. And sometimes you sometimes. lose that battle. Um, Depends but, on how cold lunch is. Is lunch all the way ice cold? Then we're not putting up any fight. Oh, see, is now lunch- here we are talking about lunch again. If anybody <laughs> wants to hear the, the backstory of lunch, just listen to the previous episode with Leah. Listen Remy. to the previous one. You'll, yeah. you'll understand how important lunch is to writers. <laughs> um, we also learn it's the most important thing. We also learn um, in this little opening scene here that uh, Jesse is a child of divorce. I don't recall this being brought up until now, um, but it's casual. She, Her mom got remarried and... This is going to be her stepbrother. Yeah. It's, a, it's a quick character information. I have some questions here. So her mother gets remarried to a guy. I presume it's out of state, correct? Yeah. Uh, because she traveled somewhere to get married. And the stepbrother is coming to move back with them. Hmm. And he's from New I York. Haven't kicked, I haven't kicked the tires on this yet. Yeah, yeah. that is a little sticky. <laughs> wait, wait it is weird. So Jesse has yeah. never met her brother, his stepbrother. That's the weird. That's the weird part. Right. That's so the weirdest part. Her mom's like, been dating somebody for a while. I assume we don't really know. 
Unless it was like a 90 day fiance situation. God, I, mean, I love that, that show. You, that show is I love so that show. incredible. Incredible. <laughs> we should we should watch that show. That's a good show too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's our next podcast. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, oh, there's so many onions <laughs> to peel. Two people with nothing to do with that show. Oh Lord. <laughs> Just going through it. Um, but okay. So her mother gets remarried. I, it's, there's just, it's just weird. Like the whole thing doesn't make sense. Uh, and then he's, he didn't come back with them. He wanted to spend some more time with his friends, but it's really only like maybe a day or two. Uh, and then he wasn't at the wedding. Like, like, yeah, no, he was at the wedding. I don't know. No, no. Oh, he was at the wedding. She says, she says she, he wasn't very talkative. She didn't say much to him. Got it. Okay. So he, she didn't get a, a, a sense of who he was, uh, Mm. which I find that hard to believe when we do see him. Um, Mm. he sort of wears his character on his sleeve. On his leather jacket sleeve. Yeah. Mm. He's like, he could not be more of a, let's not, let's not jump ahead. Let's not jump ahead. Okay. Whoa. But it, (laughs) (laughs) because there's, I mean, there, yeah. Wait till we get to him. Um, to Eric, uh, in this, uh, in this Mac scene, uh, Zach rolls up to, to Screech and Slater sitting there. Mario, uh, or, or Slater is putting a lot of ketchup on those fries. And, uh, I, I wondered if you caught him actually wiping something on my arm. Uh, no, and it was Can we like go to we, tape. Yeah, we just sort of broke character. And you know, I love these moments. Um, yeah. It's right when the girls kind of come uh, through the door, and then uh, you know they're 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 sort of walking towards the table. Um, you see Mario and I talking to each other. We're we're not we're, you know it's not on on um, on Mike, but then he like hits my arm and then he wipes something on it. It's just a real moment. Here it comes. <laughs> so he puts his hand there and then he wipes something. I'm like, Oh, Oh God. Yeah. You look at it. Yeah, You're like, gross. That's yeah. gross. Yeah. Those it's are a red sweater. Know, I those mean. are boys <laughs> just being boys. Those are the moments I love yeah. because that's like, it's a real moment. It's crazy how you spot it. I like it. It all moves so fast, but yes, thank <laughs> you for the Eagle eye on Mario wiping some shit on your arm. Not Slater. I, I like that, by the way, Jesse is, um, I mean, I don't like that she has to be a child of divorce, but I like that it's a true, real thing. You know, and she seems to be the only person in Bayside without both their parents. I guess we never see Slater's mom, but yeah. And a little insight into her real, um, uh, Elizabeth's real story. Her parents are still together after all this time. And, mm. and so is uh, uh, Tiffany's uh, parents. Um, Look at that. Yeah, so long, long-lasting marriages. I, I love hearing that. By the way, I love that too. True love, or at least true tolerance, still alive. I, I at this point, <laughs> my my parents were separated at this point, so I was uh, I dealt with that earlier on. Um, but yeah, I was living only with my mother at this point uh, in my childhood. Hopefully, no wicked step uh, siblings. No, thank God. This uh, this toilet falling in joke. They really they really seem to milk it. Uh, really, it's a it's what we call a load bearing joke because it it comes back multiple times. You can't cut it because it they keep using it over and over. Yeah. So the whole the whole backstory of that is that uh, you know she's gonna have a stepbrother and yes. uh, Jesse's asking for any advice and Kelly says yeah make sure he puts the uh, toilet seat down because you know you could fall in. Do you yeah are you guilty of doing this? Are you do you leave it up down? What do you do? 
No, I, I'm not guilty of that, but there was a large like miscommunication, um, with my girlfriend when, when we moved in together where she kept saying I was leaving the toilet seat up. And I was like, no, I don't do, I, I grew up in a house of, of all women for a time. I was the only guy there and I was trained, especially through TV. I feel like I learned about it from jokes on sitcoms. She was talking about the lid of the, she was like, no, you're supposed to close all parts of the toilet. That's what she meant by leave the, I'm leaving the toilet seat up. Mm. I didn't know you were supposed to do that. I've, I'd never done that before. But now we live in a house where the toilets are fully closed unless they're in use. Yeah. Well, she trained you well. <laughs> is, that, is that a thing? I didn't know that. Was I, I living like an animal? With, I don't think with it's the, a with thing. The water, with the, with I mean, the water seeing the world? <laughs> like, I mean, listen, if you have, speaking of animals, if you have a dog that drinks out yeah. of the toilet... Yeah, put mm, the lid right. down. Um, they say that you should put the lid down when you flush a number two, even a number one, I guess, because the particles kind of go up. The, the particles, air. the particles. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. If, I, I don't know about that. I, I don't yeah. know about that. But <laughs> I understand her wanting to put the toilet seat down. It's a very nice thing. Um, I yeah, but do you, I mean? So you're you're just well trained. You're good. You put the toilet and seat I, down I, I was, and the lid. Yeah. Uh, uh, everything. It's yeah. all getting slammed shut. Case closed. I, 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 I think I have pretty good aim. I can leave the toilet seat down and still do a number one. Uh, oh, you're a you're a reckless you're a reckless stuntman. That's, listen, that's if that's how if, people get hurt, Mark Paul. That's showboaty behavior. If I dribble a little bit, you know, there's a little sure. accident or whatever. I just take a Accidents toilet paper happen. and I wipe it up. It's not a big deal. I yeah, but uh, the other thing too is. I don't know if you do this. This might be a little too personal, but uh, no one's listening no, anyway, right? Why, no one listens just, to this. Then. Just your mother, Roberta. and uh, Yeah, and yeah. Leah listened to a couple, but she's done. She's not <laughs> she's coming done. back. She's not coming um, back to listen. <laughs> but in the middle of the night when I have to go pee, which is uh, happening more and more often now that I'm in my 40s. Uh, right. Uh, sure. Yeah. Spoiler alert. That'll yeah. happen. Um, I pee sitting down facing hmm. the tank. That kind of like, like, like Slater, like Slater, Slater. exactly. I sit like Slater because what happens is I'm half asleep anyway. So I can rest my head on the tank (laughs) as I pee. I kind of put my, you know, like Slater puts his arms on the top of the chair. Like you're sleeping on a, in a, in, on an airplane with the, with the the, the tray table, with the tray table. Right, right, right. So I just Everyone's most favorite nap. Yeah. So, you know, it it sometimes can be a a minute long pee and I'm, if, if I Mm. were standing up and the light, you know, I don't turn the light on because my wife is sleeping in the, in the bedroom. Uh, it's dark. I would have to try to aim in the dark. I'm not good at that. So I just sit down facing the tank. Sure. And I kind of just rest my head there and I can kind of still be dozing. Like last night wow. I did it and I actually thought, because it was going on for a while, I actually had to make sure that I was actually on the toilet because I had a dream, and I still remember this back in my youth, where I was at a zoo peeing in mm. a urinal. Turns out I was in my bed and I peed yeah. my bed. And I think I've I was dreams, yeah. I was old enough to remember this, obviously. Um, so, you know, that's very embarrassing. A guy in his 40s, pee in the bed. So last night when I was peeing, I just kind of had to wake up a little bit just to make sure I'm on the toilet. Um, but that's, that's my secret. That you're that's, not having a toilet dream. Correct. That you're not, that you're correct. somehow not like in yeah. a dream in your comfortable place. You know, there's all kinds of technology out there where you can like illuminate your toilet bowl. I think I saw one on Shark Tank. It is. Tank. I have one. It's a one. free plug. No, I have it. You have one. I have it. It's so called you a have, Toto Toilet. So you can, 
So you can well, Toto is a is a. There's like you have you have the fancy one for sure, but <laughs> so you can you Listen, can I've see what's I've going been on. in the business for thirty. Years. I'm not saying you haven't. <laughs> I can, First of I, all, I know I how much a those toilet toilets cost. That, uh, yeah. It's a luxury, but it's not. You did because it's not made of gold. No. <laughs> but you've earned it certainly. Yes, I've earned. But my I've point is, you've. The, the, you have illumination. My toilet to spritz water up my ass. That's that's where I am in my career. I've earned that right. Well, I have I have the the tushy installed yeah. because of mm. our our wonderful podcast. Changed my life. Um, but no, <laughs> but you can see you can see everything. But you still sit. You still choose to sit. Yes, like that of in the course. Of the because listen, okay. I'm half asleep anyway, and and it's yeah. like I don't want to have to like think about peeing. I just kind of sit on the toilet. Uh, you know, and then I just let it go, and 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 then I just finish, and you know, go back I, to bed. I mean, uh, yeah, right, okay. Now, well, that here, is here's the thing. If, if we you, got if we got some blog pickup last week over the over the smooches on set, I really hope someone out there wants to run with the uh, Mark Paul sits like Slater and yeah. in the middle. Of the night. Do you flush at night? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. No, I wait till the morning. You don't. No, Do you, because, because of to, the noise? Yeah, the noise. I try not yeah. to wake anybody up with that. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't kind of, abide by that. What kind of water pressure are you pulling down? Like, well, what kind of thunderous I, flushes are happening? No, it does. It makes, it makes noise. I mean, there's, there's, mm. there's noise. And the, the toilet, yeah. you know, it, it self-cleans and it does all this stuff. And there's like a, uh, this is like a plug for Toto. But to, it's uh, an amazing contraption. By the way, the, the I, seat is heated. And the water oh, is warm. Yeah, that's the good stuff. That's not like that's the good stuff. You know the the tushy, which I love. By the way, I would absolutely tell our viewers, not our viewers, our listeners, to buy them. My son uses uh, the tushy uh, in his bathroom, um, but it is not heated, and it is not, uh, and, the, and the seat isn't, uh, you know, um, heated as well. Hey, but, you know. Um, I don't. I, I'm not one of those people that's like if it's mellow. What, what if it's if it's yellow, keep it mellow. If it's yellow, let it mellow. Ugh, if it's brown, flush, flush it, it down. down. Yeah, no, you flush it down during the day. What are you, an animal? Uh, but at night, no. you know, if 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 it's a little pee or whatever, just flush it in the morning. That's, okay. That's, well, that's my you know, it's thing. almost like we don't even need to do the episode. I think we actually have enough here <laughs> that we could just wrap it up. But Listen, let's remember. Let's, well, remember when I told you about your showering habits and it changed your life? Are you still? I, sh- I started showering twice a day. Yeah, correct. I, I, sometimes, right now I you have eczema. At night sometimes, and now you yeah, have uh, eczema and, and uh, you're Dry seeing skin, a dermatologist. Never gonna go back. Uh, yeah. And we have a sponsor now to help you cure that. Um, hmm. So okay, you, know, you, you have you, you have me to thank for certain <laughs> things. Thank you, Mark Paul. I have you to thank for so many things. I actually have you to, th- I, we're never going to do this episode. I actually have you to thank for like all of the opportunities that Zach Morris's trash brought me, including this podcast, because of this episode. This episode was the first Zach Morris's trash. This, this one? This one. And the reason it was the first one is because I missed the boat on Rosh Hashanah for having the idea, oh. but Yom Kippur happens right after Rosh Hashanah. And I was just, frantically trying to make it like we were so focused at funnier diet at the time with topicality if you if anyone who i'm i'm jewish anyone who knows anything about the jewish religion yom kippur is not like a party holiday <laughs> it's not a thing it's a song it's the most somber day of the year but i was desperate to make this a topical video so i was like let's tie it to yom kippur rushed it out and it it did great the rest is history but this was the first uh zach morris is trash it's interesting because i'm not very trashy in this episode yeah the, the card it's really true and it Compared to some of the ones that followed, it was like pretty tame. Um, your, your sin was lying about being Jewish to go to a baseball game, which is like, I mean, sh- go ahead, lie about being Jewish to go to a. It seems pretty low rent compared to some of the other antics, but yeah, 
little walk through history. As we're in Jesse's room to meet Eric. Smooth transition. We've been doing 47 of these. Uh, Eric is played by, first of all, Eric Tramer. We're going to get to that later. Played by one Joshua Hoffman. Uh, before this, he did an episode of Blossom. He was on another two-parter on Step by Step, where they went to Hawaii, I believe, based on the title. Uh, and 12 episodes of a short-lived series, Teach. That is more or less the career of one Joshua Hoffman. Yeah, that's interesting. I kind of I looked him up on IMDb. He kind of stopped uh, after 1997. Um, apparently, he's he came back in 2020. Uh, I don't I don't know how, in what capacity, but there was a credit in 2020 uh, on I saw that, yeah. his IMDb. He is so good at being this despicable little shit. Um, so good. I mean, I notice and I'll, 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 maybe I'll point it out. Maybe I won't. Um, but there's times where I look at him and there's like a smirk that I do. And that is a genuine smirk of you little shit. Uh, and I think he, I bet I bet I know the one you're talking about. I'm gonna call one? it out when I. Okay, all right, yeah, call it by out by the locker with his yes. schedule. Yeah, that's he, it. Yeah, that's his, one. Yeah, it was a, it was a specific look. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's. I mean, it's like I looked at them like that's not acting. That's me like really despising <laughs> this little shit. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, much about uh, Joshua, but he just he he's really good at this character, uh, and casting did an amazing job um, with him. Um, but uh, all right, back to the back to the uh, back to the, the scene. thing. Why not? Jesse is studying on her bed. Did you ever yeah. study like this? By the way, <sighs> well, I wasn't exactly the best studier, so I probably wouldn't have done it on the bed. I I wasn't cracking too many books. <laughs> is the truth really? I, I find that uh, <laughs> uh, I was I was very I was very good for the most part, with some exceptions, um, at working smart. Not necessarily hard, if that makes sense. So I could figure out ways to do the projects and, you know, get by and get reasonably good grades most of uh, schooling. But, yeah, I was not a, I, I just couldn't devote myself to the craft of academics. Were you a crammer? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes a crammer, for sure. Depends on the job, you know. It was interesting. Um, I just worked with Mario and uh, the reimagining uh, the other day, and we had uh, four scenes uh, together back to back in one day, mm. and it was a lot of dialogue. And um, uh, I, I know that he has a very busy schedule. He has kids, and you know he does extra in the morning, and and uh, we we sort of work around his schedule when we're filming this reimagining. But with all this dialogue, he he had it down, and he you know rarely. Uh, went up on his lines and we had a really good time and, and we worked off each other and it was, it was like old, old, old times again. And I asked him, I said, you know, how, what's your process? What, how do you study? And he, he's, he's like me, we just cram. Um, I think we get a, a sense of what our character is doing. Um, you know, and I, I guess if we had like massive dialogue, if you have a monologue, it's very hard to cram a monologue because you, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to, to, I mean, you, you could do it and just memorize it, but then you're just saying words and there's no flow to it. Um, mm-hmm. But with dialogue against somebody, opposite somebody, um, it is a little bit easier to, to just sort of cram it because you're kind of working off the other, your, your scene partner. Um, but he has the same process as me. He just uh, works scene by scene 
and uh, will forget the scene the minute we say cut and we move on. He's already forgotten the other scene. And same with me. And it just kind of frees wow. up your brain to, to, to sort of you know, process what the work is in front of you. And uh, you get through it, and then you forget it, and then you move on to the next thing. We did that for four scenes. It was, it was a lot of fun. And I didn't realize we had the same process um, because that's something we never talked about when we, we did the original. Uh, but it was it was it was like old times. I think the uh, the audience will really enjoy uh, that particular episode. Can't wait to see it. It's been I I feel like <laughs> I feel like uh yeah I feel like I'm I'm a fan too when the show comes out. I I love I love seeing it. Love working on it too. Yeah, it'll be episode six. I'm currently uh, prepping uh, to direct episode eight for the upcoming season. Which spoiler alert, you wrote Dashel. Which is going to be amazing. Well, yes, you with co-wrote. another writer, uh, Yadoye, who is phenomenally talented, and I was so happy to get to work with him. But yes, it is it is strange fate, Mark Paul, as we sit here watching the first episode of Zach Morris's Trash is based on, and you're prepping an ep- an episode I co-wrote. It's it's truly bizarre stuff. The universe is connected in funny, silly ways. But it, but going back to uh, being a fan of the show, I'm currently watching a lot of the reimagining, and uh, mm. it is really good. I I must say the yeah. the the writing is is um, smart and witty, and to make it work with the original cast with a brand new cast is not an easy a task at all. And uh, you and Tracy and all the other writers have done an amazing job, and the directors. Thank you. Um, Every crew, everyone involved. Everyone, all the, all involved. the kids. Yeah. You. The, no, yeah. it's it's uh it's Tracy's show. I mean, she is the fearless fearless leader. But yeah, it's uh believe me, I was I was just as nervous as anyone else showing up to work the first day <laughs> that what's this going to be like? But no, it's a, uh, it's good. If I can be so bold as to say that. Um, there's lots of East as we get back to this episode, which we're, we're, we're moving through, I suppose. Um, a lot of East meets West this season. We saw with Stacy Carosi now with Eric, what happens when a New York type of person or a Boston type of person meets the kitchen, the Palisades, it's a, you know, it's an interesting choice to to sort of start shaking things up a little bit. Yeah, and of course, if you're from the East Coast, you wear you wear leather jacket, you wear black. Of course, yeah, yeah. Actually, this, he smokes this, cigarettes. You don't see it, but it's implied. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, implied. <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting. He's wearing like jeans and these black cowboy boots. I remember that being a thing that I was into. Like I had I had black cowboy boots that I would wear um, with jeans, and really thought in the nineties that that was a, that was a cool thing. He, he's actually dressed probably how I used to dress on, on a daily basis. Um, Hmm. yeah. Yeah. And looking back, not so cool. (laughs) I don't know. It's a, it's a cool look. I remember my neighbor, my neighbor, Kyle had cowboy boots, black cowboy boots. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) You and my neighbor, Kyle stars of the nineties. Yeah. This, uh, I love Kelly's line of, um, just remember the oceans on the left. It's great. They're giving Kelly zingers this season. It's like a really fun energy. Um, you mentioned the the studying on the bed. That's not what I noted, Mark Ball. I noted his shoes on the bed. His boots Disgusting. on the bed. Just absolute. I would just. I it it horrifies me. Are you a uh, wearing shoes in the house or not? Do you, are you wearing shoes right no. now? I'm wearing slippers. I got. Um, this is another free plug, but when, when we started working from home on the, the new season of the reboot, I invested in like really nice slippers with a nice rubber sole to like, like a comfy slipper that almost felt like a shoe right. in a good way to offer my feet some support, but what no, no shoes in the house. 
They're, uh, I don't know how you say it. I've got to take it off to read them. Mahabis? Is that how you? Let me see. M-A-A. Free, free plug. Mahabis. Mm, those are nice. Yeah, hey, thank yeah. you, Mark Paul. I'm wearing them almost every time we see each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I wear like those all, I have a few, but like Allbirds makes one that are pretty good. Yeah. And I have like a, and it's like this uh, a Swedish company. I, I, don't, I don't really know the name of it. I'm not wearing them. I'm actually barefoot right now, but um, okay. they're, they're a little bit. breed sometime. They're a little more um, uh, sturdier. They're like have a sturdier sole and they're leather uh, and they, they sort of have like a shape to them uh, for your feet. So I wear those sometimes yeah. because I, 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 I'm sort of under the impression that your feet need to just be free uh, and that's what strengthens your arch uh, because we mm. rely so heavily on arch supports and I think that that's what causes your arches to collapse. Uh, and flatten. That's that's my opinion. Um, and so I do some you know foot exercises trying to strengthen my arches. And especially when you get tired, your feet start to flatten out. And it's not that you need more support. You just need to strengthen your feet, just like you would strengthen your back to help your neck um, and things like that. Uh, I I actually have those other five fingered shoes that I will wear. The vib- vibram vibrams. That's what they're vibrams. Vibrams? I think so. Yeah. Vibrams or vibrams. Vi- I don't. I mean, it's V I B R A M, right? But I'm not sure how you're supposed to say it. They, I would never wear those in public, uh, because mm. I'm not an asshole. Um, okay, yeah. Well, I, I am, but you know, I don't want to be an asshole just for my shoes. Um, but I do it's wear a, those. They're, they're they're easy to get judged wear. It's like one yeah. of those like, yeah. I, I I used to. I mean, <laughs> I used to work with someone who wore them, and like, you thought he was an asshole. It was no, but one time <laughs> I made a I made a joke about them. Like in like we were friends, you know, friendly coworkers. But like, I made a joke about them, and it was very clear to me right away that he was not up for these jokes <laughs> because he had like been on the receiving end of much meaner versions. Like it was like a instantly on the no fly list of conversation. Yeah, yeah, it should yeah. be. You should not wear those in public. I, I shouldn't have said. No. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I do wear I them around the house because they they actually do a really good job of spreading your toes, which you know that's a very mm. good thing for your toes to be spread. Um, and I work out in them, uh, and I, I, I love them. I just would not wear them. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's outside. That's, yeah. I mean, you would talk about blog pickup. People would be writing about that story. Mark Paul Gosler, <laughs> you see all his toes at Whole Foods. And he, he pees sitting down facing the tank. It, that's going to be second on the list of shocking things in this article <laughs> underneath the five, the five toe shoes. <laughs> um, and, uh, where are we folks? Oh yeah. We're in the halls at Bayside. Um, so we find out here in this little scene that Kelly has a brother named Bennett, and Eric's last name is Tramer. You see what they're doing here, Mark Paul? They I think so. sneakily snuck in one of the writers, Bennett Tramer. Um, thought that was uh, neat and fun. And we've talked about the reimagining tonight already, today. When are you listening to this, listener? Um, writers still do this. Writers will sneak their names into the show in little ways, signs in the background, or you name it. Um, so I thought that was cool to kind of, they, they popped Bennett's name in there across Kelly's sibling and Jesse's new stepbrother. Jesse's new stepbrother who comes over the PA. I guess he's in building's office. Yeah. He can't, he can't help himself. He's up to schemes. And, uh, then he comes out and, and says that he, uh, read Jesse's diary. Yeah. Now, that yeah, that right there is a big no no. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. 
You're not allowed to do that. Yeah, no, ever. no. I mean, I, I had an older sibling. I, I don't know if she had a diary. I mean, I have, excuse me, I have an older sibling. But when we grew up, <laughs> I didn't like. If she had a diary, I would have never dreamt of of peering at it. That's like a big, big no no. Especially just, back then. I mean, there's there, there's no social media or anything. There's no like blogs or like. These kids are pouring their heart out into these books that they're putting in the uh, under their bed at night. It's like that is probably some very personal shit. I thought she took it pretty well, though. I mean, I, I would have I would have expected her to freak out. I would have hoped that that Slater would have just like punched this guy through the locker. Biggest question, biggest question of the of the week here. Why doesn't Slater just beat the shit out of Eric? Why doesn't Slater just punch him in the yeah. face? Like, just beat the shit out of him, dude. You're you're huge. Because violence isn't the answer. I don't know. That's a good mm-hmm. reason, but he seems like he's on the edge of violence, and I'm just confused why he doesn't, you know, dip his toe into that pool. Uh, it's not time for Slater to fight yet. That'll happen much later with you. Josh does um, such a good job. Even his stance, he just stands like a douche. Like he, he's standing yeah. there, he's got his foot up against the locker. He's a, yeah. he's a, he's a wee little guy too. Perfect. It's perfect casting. It's perfect casting. I, I, I'm actually curious to watch the other few things, like the Blossom episode he was in or the double parter step-by-step. I would bet dollars to donuts, not even sure what that phrase means. I would bet that he plays the same type. He must, because he's so good at, at, at this kind of guy. Like, there's no way he's like the book nerd. It, there's just, I can't, I can't see it. He must be Eric Tramer in those other things. Here's our favorite part where he... Th- Hands me the paper, holds on to it a little bit long. There you go. Yeah, your smile. Yeah, when you yank it away, you give him a little grin like, hey, buddy. Which tells me that that probably wasn't something we did in rehearsals. And he decided mm. to do it at that point, which is great on his end. Like, that, that, that's a good actor, right? If you can get yeah. a reaction like that from your scene partner, you're doing some good acting. And, uh, you know, again, I'm wearing a hat right now. My hat goes off to this guy. <laughs> but you're not taking that hat off in real no, life. Gonna, it's a I'm metaphor, folks. You know, because it's like I got I got headphones on, and if I did that, it's a whole it would, thing. It's just a whole thing. I wouldn't be able to hear you, and it's just a listener. We have a whole setup gesture. here. Like we each wear headphones. We have we each have two headphones in, and I don't mean of the same variety. Like I have an AirPod and a headphone on, and Mark Paul's the same way. So I get it. You don't want to disrupt the the delicate setup. Uh, and we're in the class. Oh, and Kelly got another zinger, by the way, a little flushed. Uh, I really love Kelly zingers this season. Um, we're in the uh, the classroom here at Bayside for Mr. Sachs, uh, played by Bernard Hiller. thought this was kind of interesting. He had a run of Jewish roles in the 90s beyond this, uh, including a rabbi in Bodies of Evidence. And in 95, he was on an ER holiday special featuring a Holocaust survivor and an NYPD Blue about undercover Hasidic Jews to recover a stolen Torah. So Bernard Hiller had a had a very clear uh, casting type here in the 90s on sitcoms. He also coached Cameron Diaz during The Mask, according to his IMDb. Bernard Hiller. Yeah, Bernard also has a New York joke uh, as the uh, teacher, Mr. Sachs. He says, uh, let's make Eric feel at home. Let's mug him. I'm sure uh, our viewers uh, watching Saved by the Bell <laughs> appreciated that joke. Uh, what do you? It's the '90s. Like you're gonna. L.A. has what? What's L.A. has traffic. New York has muggings. It's like these are just like that is the the first first rung of the ladder. I like it. 
we also learn here Screech is not Jewish, something we brought up before. Um, confusing, as Dustin was Jewish, uh, but Screech, the character, not. Not, but, but, but the writing sort of implied that at they times write him he like was. A, they, they, it, it's very, confusing. it's confusing, yeah. yeah. It's only, I mean, I think here the only reason they go out of their way to say he's not Jewish is to like differentiate the circumstances. Like if he was Jewish, he would give Zach more information. Like he just, it puts, you know, Zach's thing on its own little island. Also, if you if you have watched uh, the Zach Morris is trash, you'll note that's a menorah uh, that Zach envisions, something I pointed out. Not the right holiday. That's for Hanukkah. Um, so it's not really that Zach Morris is trash. It's the 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 writers and the editors and who who, who decided to put the menorah up? Like what? Like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's we it's like an easy. This happens where people who are not Jewish will like use. I mean, it happens with other things too, but I can more easily identify it um, with Judaism when it happens in pop culture. The menorah mix-up happens all the time. They're just for Hanukkah, so Jews have other ways to hold and display candles for Shabbat and other holidays. But what Zach sees is a uh, just the wrong time of year. He's a couple months early. Yeah, it's interesting, and it's it, it's like a cartoon menorah. It's uh, the Star of David is there. I mean, I don't know. Did did we need the menorah as as like a light bulb that went off on Zach's head for us to understand <laughs> that he's going to now act like he's Jewish? Like, is this necessary? Because it's wrong. I think it's the it's wrong. I mean, but it, in some ways, it's almost right that it's wrong. Uh, because he knows nothing about this religion, <laughs> like it's so. Right. It's in some ways it actually it actually is correct how wrong it is, and I would have made that argument if I was around at the time. Um, but instead, I picked it apart thirty years later. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, what else? Thank God that's all he imagined. That's like, like thank God that you didn't have some other like horrible caricature of a Jewish person pop up in his head or something. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay with the menorah being what popped into his mind. And uh, we are in Jesse's room now. Um, Screech taped the game. We love to talk about old technology that's gone all the way away. But folks, you used to have to tape things with an actual VHS tape. It's a whole pain in the ass. (laughs) That's my summary of VHS tapes. This is also the second time we've encountered Jessie in a towel this season. Thought that was kind of interesting. Um, this time she's actually in a towel. Before it was just like a running joke about her being in a towel, but a lot of Jessie in a towel stuff uh, for season three. Are you a two-towel guy, Mark Paul? When you get out of the shower, you do two towels or one towel? I'm not a two-towel guy. What would you use two towels for? Sometimes I do waist and then like over the shoulders. Like a little, like, like I'm James Brown leaving the stage or something. How big are your towels? You might need bigger towels. They're re- they're of reasonable size. I mean, they're not like beach towels. They're they're you know your standard issue towel. Hmm. Maybe you need to get like a bigger like I we have these we have two towels we have. I just I just like it I just like it for the I just like the experience. It's not about the. It's more just like the lifestyle here of two towels. For a man who sits backwards to pee in the middle of the night, you should understand like. Creature comforts, I would figure, but you're making a face. Well, I mean, I understand <laughs> that you like you're you, you got one other. I actually don't understand, but I, I'm going to play along with you. I, you you okay. one for your waist you. and one for your upper body. Um, yes, 
have you ever decided, you know, thought of going the route that my wife does and she wears a robe. She actually doesn't ever use a towel. Uh, she uses like one of those hair things for her hair. And then she always comes out of the shower uh, or bath and puts on a robe and she never mm. like dries herself with a towel. She lets the robe do the work. I I could see myself getting involved in that lifestyle at some point, but I, you know, I feel like I've, I've kind of a hybrid situation because I, <laughs> it's similar to a robe in that I'm covered in towel material. So it's a similar kind of experience, but it's a little different. A robe seems like more maintenance. That seems like more work. Like you, the robe's always going to be hanging there. I don't know. Well, where do your towels go? Do you put them in the washer? They hang there. They, yeah, I, of course. Of course, I wash my towels. No, towels, I know, but you just they just the hang there. Well, a, a, a towel. You have two towels or one robe. They're both going to hang on something. You're, you know what? Mm-hmm. I guess it's tomato, mm-hmm. tomato. There's going to be <laughs> shit hanging on the door no matter what. And how often do you? Uh, how often I see do you go through going. towels? I see where this is. We have a rotation of towels, and I would say probably like every other day, the towels are getting. The towels are getting swapped out for fresh. Right, there's towels. a lot of towels. I'm I'm just envisioning a bathroom with a lot of it's towels. It's mostly towels. Mostly towels. No, there's I, I could tell you right now in the bathroom, there are I want to say three like bath towels and a couple hand towels hanging up at all times. Yeah. Okay. All right. I I, I don't know. I'm I'm we just, feel got that these, excessive. we just got these new <laughs> yeah. towels and they're I mean, I'm six foot. These things are these have got to be six feet long. I mean, they're ginormous. Um don't tell my wife. I'm not really into those though. I like I like towels that I can kind of, kind of maneuver. Almost like what you see like mm-hmm. a dive Olympic diver, you know, when they come out and they have this like mm-hmm. little hand towel. It's like a chamois, yeah. Yeah, I'd be fine with that because it mm. just gets the job done. Like, and then I can kind of maneuver it all over my body. The problem with like a big towel is it goes on the floor sometimes. You know, it's like dragging. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. The floor's then, wet now. The towel's all wet. So yeah. Like and then it just it, like trying to maneuver it on your body. It's like, I don't know. It's just a lot of work. Um, yeah. Which, but again, my wife doesn't use them. She just likes them because they look great in the bathroom hung up, but because um, she uses a robe. But uh, it would be awkward if we just had like a little chamois. Uh, hanging up. <laughs> um, it would, but, yeah, you're right. You need you need a fuller towel. You and know, I never understood chamois, to be honest chamois. with you. The kind that you use for a car, like it, it, it remember what it used to be do? like a- like, are you, Do you not understand the technology? Like, no, I, 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 I've washed many cars. I still wash my cars every once in a while uh, when I have the time. But the old chamois used to be almost like rawhide. And when they yeah. dry out, they get crispy and then you have to wet them to activate them. And then whenever so you get to wet them to dry, it makes no yeah, sense. It makes no sense. Saying, yeah. And then it like they, for me, they kind of streaked. Um, but I know that they're, they're like the tools of the trade for, for some detailers. I don't understand them. I, I, I don't get it. I understand for, you know, like maybe wiping something down that you don't care that it streaks, but anyway, um, I'm going to invent a, uh, chamois, uh, like the divers, um, do and, um, uh, you know, make it a thing. I think that's great. I think that's a great, you know, George Foreman had his grill. You can have your <laughs> Gossler chamois. <laughs> we'll come up with a better name, although that's Love pretty it. good already. Um, but yeah, where are we folks this episode? Well, uh, yeah, the uh, the damning evidence of the tape here that uh, Screech made for Eric. Um, there's no way, unless they got a real tight close-up on Zach's face, that the resolution would be like admissible as evidence. Like there's almost no world where this VHS tape is um, the smoking gun they seem to make it out to be, but 
Who cares? And what luck for Zach? He's at a game and you catch a a, a foul ball or or whatever it was. I don't. Was it a home run? I think it's a foul hit? ball. I think it's a foul ball. Foul ball, Could home be. run, whatever. That that yeah. that's. Uh, I mean that that you you're very lucky to be able to do that. Um, at the end of this, uh, Dustin puts that bowl of chips on his hair, and all I could think of, like, ugh, disgusting. Like the the salt and the the chips themselves, the grease in your hair. Ugh. I'm still on the bed. Like Jesse needs to just throw that whole bed out and start over. I mean, it's it's covered in boots and chips. It's it's never it's never going to be <laughs> a, not crunchy and disgusting. That's my band name, Boots and Chips. <laughs> boots and Chips, yeah. I'd see them. If I was at a music festival, I see a band called Boots and Chips is playing. I'll check them out. Um, it is Act Two uh, in the halls of Bayside. Um, Zach is still holding the foul ball because otherwise, how do we know he was at the game and he caught it? Um, Zach likes carrying stuff around. Okay, why not? Uh, and of course, Eric brought the tape with him because how do we know he has it if he's not waving that thing around? Never mind that. My hair looks amazing in this episode. I really like okay. the length of it. I'm not not keen on the color. The color is a little off. Uh, you know, but oh, you uh, mean the fact that it's two different colors completely? No, it's always been two different colors, but the two different colors, it's more it's more orange. Um, mm. rather than brown and highlights. Um, mm. yeah. Uh, season one in the reimagining, it's kind of this color, which I'm not a fan of. Uh, season two is more the way I like it, where it's you know darker underneath, and then it has these really blonde, uh, light highlights. Um, mm. great conversation we're having about hair. And peen. I always like it. I, I look again. Only only you notice this. That's why it's so interesting to get your perspective. Um, Eric says Zach went to Temple Beth Dodger Stadium. I'm going to speculate here, Mark Paul, wildly, that one of the writers went to Temple Beth Israel, a temple in Los Angeles I used to go to as a child. And that's where that joke came from. Just some wild speculation. Why does Eric want the ball so bad, too? Like, is, 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 that's, not, that's not cool to me to get... If you went to a baseball game and you caught a... I mean, if you were doing it as, out of friendship and you're like, I got this for you, great. But if, I wouldn't be like, I need that foul ball you got. Or do you think he's just doing this to, to squeeze Zach? Yeah, just being a, a little bitch. Being a jerk. Just being a little bitch. It seems like Eric likes the ball, though. It's, it's confu- it is confusing. It seems like he's like, this is sweet. Because if he was really just squeezing Zach, he'd like set the ball on fire. Or like piss on it. <laughs> wow. I'm from New York. You're dark. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look. I mean, I'm just trying to get in the mind of this clearly chain-smoking character. But you can't show the cigarettes. It's just implied. Uh, we're in the max. Uh, the blackmail will continue here. I have here that uh, this is an incredible outfit from Screech coming through the door. Let me get to see him. A lot of colors. We also, Mark Paul, this is maybe a good as smooth transition as anyway, as any, as long as we're in the max. We have a guest today. <laughs> we have a special guest. We do. Joining us. Was, we have, was... we, please set it up. I, I bet. No, I, I'm so glad that we finally got a hold of him. Uh, he's been, you know, he's fortunately been a very busy individual. Um, we've known each other for quite a long time. Um, and, uh, but we, 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 we worked together on say by the bell here. He was in the background, 
as as a waiter. He was also in the Glee Club. Um, We became friends uh, a lot later in life, Um, but I'm talking about none other than the background extraordinaire, uh, Mr. Scott Wolf, who uh, we got an opportunity to uh, chat about his experience uh, uh, playing those characters for a, a total of probably five plus, six plus episodes. I think it's a nine total. He was also in a movie theater at one point, which I think I think we haven't seen that yet. He was, so he got to see a movie, sing in a Glee Club, work at the Max. He had a whole life. Yeah, and so we had a great conversation. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm, I hope uh, hope our audience enjoys it. The way I remember it, Scott, was you were background on the show, correct? Correct. How did yeah. you? How did you get that role, though? Like, walk me through the process, if you remember. Yeah, I do. I remember it very well, because it was literally the first thing that happened to me when I arrived in Los Angeles. Um, I, I, uh, I got to town. I, I had graduated college, and I was, um, you know, headed to Los Angeles. I studied a little bit of acting in New York City, but I knew I really wanted to work in television. And so... Um, uh, TV and film, but especially television. And so I came out to LA. I did the, you know, proverbial, like throw everything I own in a Toyota Celica and drive across country. From where, from where did and, you drive from? Uh, I drove from New Jersey where I grew up. Okay. I had just graduated from college in Washington, DC and, um, with a finance degree. So I had, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I knew exactly what I wanted to do from a very young age. Uh, yeah, I was late to the whole thing. So I drove, I basically did the pack your car drive to LA. Um, I arrived at like two in the morning. I was so anxious to get to town and I woke up the next day. And what I had known was I had never really spent any time on a set. And so I figured before I was standing, you know, with expectations about giving a performance of any kind, I should know what the hell's going on and, and who says what to who and what all the, you know, literally like action and back to one and, uh, you know, roll sound and all these things you're going to hear that hopefully don't just like bury you under a pile of anxiety when you're there to actually have a speaking role. And so I knew I wanted to do some extra work. I just wanted to get on, on television sets, figure out what was going on. And so I showed up my very first morning. I woke up, I got, you know, my cousin Josh and I um, went over to Central Casting. It's like literally, you know, the kind of staple background casting place. And I just went there to hand him a headshot and say, I just got to town and I'd love to do any kind of background work. And so while I was online, this girl came, there was like probably 80 people on this lineup outside of central casting. And this girl comes walking down, walking down, walking down. And she stops it at my cousin and I. And she was like, you, uh, come with me. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I walked all the way up to the front of the line and in the door and the guy who owns central casting, whose name I will not tell you today, uh, uh, cannot tell you today, I should (laughs) more accurately, (laughs) was basically like, what's your story? I was like, oh, I'm Scott. I just literally rolled into town last night. (laughs) He's like, how'd you like a gig that pays you uh, I don't know what it was, a couple hundred bucks a week for two days. I was like, yes, that, yes, I'll take that. And so he said, go to this address at this time. And so I showed up at the studio where where the show was shot. 
And um, where was that again? I'm forgetting now. Well, I, I, my memory is terrible about this stuff too, but we either filmed at NBC studios in Burbank, uh, Sunset yes. and Gower or Raleigh studios, uh, both in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was when the show was at NBC, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, I showed up and there was, and so as you know, very well, every year they would cast, it seemed like, at least from my experience that you guys would basically have kind of a stable of yes. regular background people, right? right? So so it didn't look like a brand new uh, student body every episode. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, man. So I showed up and uh, they picked me out of the big giant group of people. And so I just started coming every Thursday and Friday. And for the, for the sort of blocking and walkthroughs and, and rehearsals and the shoot days. And, um, and it was really cool. I mean, I, I, I feel like, um, I mean, everybody there was, uh, was super friendly and easygoing. I think all the people that ran it, the producers and the directors were really great and treated people really well. Um, but for me, I think a lot of people would sort of sit in the back with their, you know, their like, Sony Discman or, you know, a, a magazine. And I felt like any chance I got to just be watching um, what you guys were all doing, I was. And, and then I jumped, I bopped around while I was doing that on other days, I would go to, you know, I was, I was at like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and uh, Life Goes On and all these other shows where I just was, you know, there were people there that were definitely long haulers you know, <laughs> that were just into being background artists. And that, that, that's a perfectly great uh, thing to do. For me, I knew this was just a means to an end. And, and, the, and, and the means was, you know, what in the hell is going on around here? And so when I'm actually getting paid to do something uh, and move up the food chain, I know what, I know what I'm doing. That, that was the big idea. Well, I, I do remember you vaguely during that time. I mean, we, we've become friends since then, but um, yeah. I remember you on the set. Uh, speaking of ends, I remember you getting uh, reactions from the audience when you walked out. Do you remember this? <laughs> it's funny because I did, I did uh, uh, access with Mario recently and he brought this up. I don't know if I remember. I remember it as, that the, exactly the same way. Well, the the rumor is, and I didn't I didn't watch that interview with you and Mario, but the rumor is yeah. that one of the reasons you no longer were around as a background artist <laughs> in a specific season was because the audience noticed you in the background and you were taking the attention away from you know Mario and myself and some of the other actors because here was this really good looking guy. Uh, in the background, and any time that you walked on set, you would get a, a reaction. So that's why I was told that you were no longer um, uh, doing background work on our show. <laughs> now, I also have a story about you, and this I'm 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 sure you've never heard this, but the rumor is you're a really good guy. I'm sure that you've never heard that before. Uh, <laughs> never, and, never. And, yeah. <laughs> One of the good ones. And uh, to confirm this, uh, do you remember our producer Franco Barrio? Yeah. Yeah. So Franco is now with the producer of the reimagining and uh, we speak with him quite a bit to, to get some of our stories uh, straight. And he remembers a story of you 
coming to him during a hiatus week and basically sitting down with him uh, because you had just booked a commercial for Gillette and you had the 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 respect for um you know the 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 process and and basically sat down with uh, with Franco and said look I just booked this commercial I don't think I could be a background artist anymore uh on this show I want to put more of my time into this and you I mean you just walked into his office and and had this conversation with him and he of course he gave you his blessing he said please you know, I'm, I I he, he couldn't believe that you came into his office to tell him that because no one had done that do you remember that story that's amazing. I do. I do. That's really, really, I got to say, that means a lot to me that he remembers that after all these years, because obviously thousands of people have come, come through his, uh, you know, his doors. And um, yeah, man, I feel like, uh, uh, thankfully, I feel like for whatever reason, you know, I mean, my, by it probably credit how I was raised by my parents, but it just felt like a, uh, it, it was important to me to be respectful and appreciative, right. Of, of opportunities I was given. And, and, um, and yeah, I felt like, uh, I was hired to do a season. And so somehow cutting out short of that felt like I wasn't, you know, fulfilling my end of, of a bargain on some, on some level, but, you know, big picture, um, that was more the story on my end as much as i as much as it's flattering and up and a fun story that the, that that people were reacting to me coming out um i don't know how they would have heard the difference between the screeches that were happening no pun intended for you and uh and the rest of the gang not for you know not for any of the background guys but um uh it the, the real story was more that yeah i had done the thing that really you know, you're hoping happens, which is I had booked a gig, a commercial that was going to get me into the union and, uh, and really, you know, potentially, hopefully start some, some little bits of a career. Um, and, and yeah, I, I do remember going in and, and talking with him and he was obviously super gracious and, and yeah, that, that was more the end of my run with you guys was, um, was, was yeah. Booking a big national commercial, um, and getting my SAG card and feeling like I had been, you know, I had tiptoed over the starting line of a, of a career, but I got to say it didn't come without like some really great moments while I was on the show, because, you know, one of the things that I learned pretty quickly was when you're a background artist, you know, you can become these other variations on background artists, you know, you can be featured and you can get an under five and you can get these like, <laughs> right. right. These yeah. like elevated yeah. background positions that are, are wind up potentially being meaningful. You know, it's not just like, Hey, I got to be in the Glee club, which was great for in its own right. But, uh, but the fact that, you know, you start to add those things up and you can advance your way into a union and those kinds of things. So, getting a couple of under fives and Franco and the rest of those guys, um, giving me opportunities to, um, you know, to really start building something while I was still, um, you know, a background artist on the show it was really meaningful and I appreciated it. And I think that had a lot to do with why it meant, you know, I, I wasn't going to just walk out of there without letting everybody know that it mattered to me, you know, that they had given me any opportunity and that, uh, that it, that it wasn't without, uh, you know, that I wasn't just running off um, without thinking about the fact that, you know, uh, I was leaving early technically. 
Do you get approached by any of the fans from Say by the Bell? Do they recognize you? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it happens more. It used to happen more. Um, when I first got on Party of Five, uh, there was a, you know, a, a heavy trickle of people like, were you the waiter at the max? You know, there was, I, I, <laughs> I got that. Uh, and I was like, proudly, yes. Yes, I was. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it happens less. But but now that people have access to the show on all these other, you know, I don't know where it streams, but it happens now and again because people watch the old show and and uh, and and then you know, I think every time there has been one of those articles that's come out, or Entertainment Tonight does some piece on like you know the people that came through the background on on Say by the Bell, um, then it drums up some a couple of people mentioning it. Um, you can be totally honest with this answer. Was anybody, uh, like attitude wise? I mean, I would, I would think like, you know, you looking the way you did or still do. I mean, you're just, you know, don't tell anybody that you're a pretty handsome guy. Um, <laughs> Thanks, we're, we're not on the air, are we? Uh, no one, no one knows that. Um, I'm but, really glad I came on to do this with you today. <laughs> this feels but, really great. But, uh, um, you know, I, I'm sure for, for back then you were in our eyes might've been competition. Like, you know, the fact that you were getting audience to notice you, uh, by the way, sure. I didn't get you fired. Uh, I think it was Mario, uh, to be honest with you. I think that he, he <laughs> had a problem with that. Uh, it could have been Dustin. Um, but we, we, we won't know. Um, but, uh, I would figure that, you know, I, I don't know how friendly us guys might've been towards you, but do you remember how we treated you? Cause I, I, I don't, um, but I'm, yeah, I'm hoping I, that it wasn't, it wasn't awful for you on the set. It was definitely not off. It was definitely not awful. It was, uh, you guys were perfectly kind. And, um, there was, I would say there's definitely more lean in from the female cast members. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was, uh, there's definitely more lean in there. And then uh, if there's a spectrum of like not leaning in, I'd say Mario is probably the farthest along that spectrum. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, but I didn't, ex you know, I think what was helpful was I didn't really have any expectations. Right. I mean, I, I knew, I sort of knew I was just there to, 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 you know, be some movement behind what you guys were doing. And, and, um, but there was a actually kind of a, you know, there was a little fraternal thing that happens amongst those back, all the background people, which I'm sure you probably saw, you know, cause everybody is there all the time and, um, you know, you're there every week. And so, um, so the experience on the whole was really great and really fun and really positive. And, um, but, but I definitely looking back on it. Yeah. I would say, um, yeah, there was, there was the, the least lean in was definitely mario um i'd say you were second <laughs> no I, I i don't doubt it i mean I, I the fact that you and i became friends after the fact because i i i, I don't know i mean we've talked about this on some of the beach episodes some of the extras I, I remain friends with only because my cousin was a uh, background artist and he was hanging out right. with some guys from fresno and then you know we all became friends and started hanging out but i don't remember hanging out with pretty much anyone besides the, yeah. the, uh, the cast, um, after yep. shows. 
Um, because like the background would, would come and go, right. They would just come in, do their yep. work. And then you guys would go back to your holding area and then, you know, you weren't part of the, the curtain calls, unfortunately. And, and you know, you guys were such a huge part of the process and without background. And we all know this now, but without background, it's, yeah. it just, it, it, you wouldn't have the, the, the picture that, that's the, right. You know, the, the, the yeah, project, yeah. It, it fills in all the holes. Um, and we notice you, I mean, you're in the background, like the other background artists and you're acting, you're actually, you're doing exactly what we're doing. Like in the Glee club, for instance, I mean, you're right next to us singing along. Um, you know, you're in the right, background right, right. as, as a waiter. I, I, there was a moment where Kelly and Jeff, um, played by Patrick Muldoon are, 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 uh, yes. you know, talking and you're, you're reacting to what's happening. And we notice these things now. Um, but yeah, back then I, I don't think that we, we had the capacity to, to notice everything that uh, the background was doing. Um, but you, but you, you can't really, right. I mean, know, you uh, know, it's, it's, it just has to, it's, it's consuming the, to, to do the, you know, when you're acting on set, it's just, it's, um, uh, look, I'm, I, I feel like I am a, uh, as you, as you said, I'm just going off of what you say now, a, a, an okay guy. And I tend to like to engage with people, right? I'm, I like talking to people. I like being polite and kind and making people feel welcome if, if it's a set that I'm working on. But uh, I used to probably just expend more energy than I knew I needed to or or that was like optimal for me to really be doing my, my job. And, um, and I think maybe the fact that I was older by the time, you know, I was like, I was already 47 when I was an extra on say by the bell. <laughs> uh, that's not true, but I was, but I had like graduated college, right? I was like, yeah, I mean, I was, I looked very young and, and, um, still and do. so I still do. It's weird. I don't, it's freakish. It's getting very freakish. Um, yeah, it's like, I'm now you're, actively. You're like uh, Rob Lowe and, and uh, Mark Consuelos. You fall into that category now where you guys just don't age. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's, ge it's genetics, I suppose. My, both my parents looked, my, my dad still, uh, uh, but my, both my parents looked really young. But so, yeah, so I was brought in, you know, to be an extra as like a high school kid. And, um, and I was like, you know, 21. And, but so I think part, all of that sort of, you know, uh, I just, I just feel like in, for me, I was just so grateful to be able to be on a set and to learn some stuff. And, um, and really I was watching you guys, you know, I mean, I couldn't, uh, while I was, um, while we were in scenes, but, uh, but I did learn a lot. I really actually learned a lot from my, from my, from my time there. And it was, it was really beneficial. And, um, uh, but yeah, no, everybody was, I have to say everybody was even, even Mario, everybody was like really, really, uh, kind. And, and I don't, you know, those sets can be different than that. Right. I mean, you know, I've been around long enough now to see all different incarnations of how a set can be. And if, especially a set with a bunch of like, young actors who are like experiencing what all you guys were going through, you know, that place could have been a horror show. And the, yeah. the fact that it was the fact that it wasn't is a credit to the kinds of people that you all are, which is, which is cool. 
Well, I appreciate it. And to wrap this up, I just have two more questions. One, uh, how long did it take you from the moment you arrived here at 2 a.m. in Los Angeles with your cousin to the time where you were starring in your own vehicle? Uh, And then um, I I just got to know just for my own my own thing. But who out of the female cast leaned on you the hardest? Those are my two questions. (laughs) We're done. I'm not I'm not going to leave until you answer those. (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah I, I what is the definition of leaned on i don't know you're is the that, one that use that term yeah so i i love that i mean it's like uh who who, who oh, leaned in yeah leaned in. Leaned i use in. leaned in yeah. yeah who leaned who leaned in most yeah okay. yeah uh well i'll start with the the less dangerous question um <laughs> the the time that it took between uh 2 a.m landing in downtown la uh where i lived for the first year um, b- before downtown was like fun. Um, till the time I was on, let's say party of five, which was kind of like, yeah, yeah. The yeah. first significant starring role in a show was roughly three years, roughly three years. And, and what's funny about that is if you had asked me at 2am the night I arrived, how long it will be before I am in that position, I would have probably said, eight months. And, but the fact that it happened when it did is something that I'm like eternally grateful for because I was ready, really ready. And, um, I always felt like there was one kind of thing that happened to me in those years, right. When we met through doing all that background stuff to, you know, chipping away at commercials and guest spots and finally landing, getting an opportunity like party five, I always, was very, very fortunate. I felt kind of looked after in a way that I was never given anything. I was never thrown into something that I wasn't really ready for. And anytime I didn't get something and I was just kicking myself and frustrated, I would look back and realize that it was actually so much for the better that I didn't get it. And so, um, that was, that was, that three years was for me kind of the perfect amount of time to, to be in town, to work on my craft, to, you know, learn about the, what happens on a set, what, what, what would be expected of me and to sort of hit a couple of plateaus creatively where, you know, the way I've always felt about acting is it's like this, I don't have a good analogy, but, but it, it be, it's this sort of thing where you are fighting your way. Well, I guess I do have an analogy. It's like you're fighting your way through this sort of, fog and it's a beautiful fog and it's productive and you're trying to sort of sort it out. And then all of a sudden your head kind of comes through it and, 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 and you sort of get what it's asking of you. And then it gets foggy again. And, and then, you you know, you come through and, and the first massive moment of coming through the fog happened like two weeks before the party of five script landed on my lap. And so when it did, you know, if it had, if it had hit me six months earlier, I would have really been filled with um, nervousness and I would have been apprehensive of like, can I, is this something I can do? And when it landed in my lap, I was like, oh, here we go. Like the, I, I, I've been met with the best thing I've ever read and I'm really, really ready for it. And so that was cool. So, so, so three years, but worth every day. And, um, and <laughs> I told that I made that one as long as possible to avoid the next one. The next one, um, 
You know, I would say it's, and it's funny because she and I are friends now. It, it, it would be uh, Elizabeth Berkeley. Um, you know, she, she was just, um, just an awesome person and remains that way. Um, but just really, uh, really went out of her way to, to make me feel welcome, to make me feel you know, uh, appreciated. Yeah. And, and I can help you out and take kind of the sting off of it. She really is a, a, a good person. And I see it now because we're working together on the, on the reimagining. She goes out of yeah. her way to make everyone feel special on the set and not, mm. not taking away anything from you. Because like I said, you were, you're, you know, you had the looks pal, uh, when you were no, on no, that no, set. No, 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 but, uh, but, it, but it, it wasn't just me. Yeah. It yeah. was, I saw her do it and, and, uh, but now not saying that you that couldn't, you know, not saying that you couldn't, uh, get lucky there. I mean, uh, you know, I never, you never know there. You could have had a uh, little wolf, <laughs> little wolf and Berkeley, uh, babies running around. I know. Um, I chose my aqua good fresh commercial. And, um, no. Wait, do you did, did I make the fresh? right choice? Did you do an aqua? It was not. Yeah, it it was. Well, it's funny because you mentioned Gillette. There was a. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the one that I went to uh, uh, Franco with was was the the aqua fresh commercial. I think that was it. But um, but yeah, I was. Uh, but again, the age thing, right? I mean, I was. You know, I was. Uh, I was a adult. <laughs> So I wasn't thinking, um, hey, I might get to, you know, uh, maybe uh, her being nice to me means something great for us both. It was more just uh, this would be a way a longer day and a harder experience if uh, if it was, you know, if she weren't uh, who she is. And it was and she has that thing. I got to say, it's like you said. I knew at the time that it wasn't that it wasn't just me. I mean, I could see her just that way, but she just has a way of really making every person feel like she's just singling you out that way, which is which was cool. Um, but uh, so yeah, man, I've got I have nothing but love for my for my time uh, at the Max and in the Glee Club and uh, walking around behind you guys. It was it was great fun. Wow. I, I, I thank you so much for taking the time to share your stories. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of yours. I've, I've been f for many, many years and I always, uh, appreciate getting the chance to talk to you. Thank you so much, Scott, for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, he, he really is. I mean, I know that we said it during the interview, but he really is one of the good ones, uh, in, in the industry. Um, and has always remained that way. I mean, I, I, I've, I've, really enjoyed um talking with him uh in the past and and just to catch up with him now was uh uh just a, he's a great guy uh thank you scott i thought his story was so fascinating particularly that he he arrived here and the next day at central casting booked a job i don't think like like i don't think anyone understands what a rare as he was telling that story i was just like this is almost irresponsible to share with people because of how much of a lottery. It's like saying, oh yeah, I won the lottery. It's like, well, I can't do that. I can't win the lottery. But I guess you look like Scott and you just put it out in the universe. I'm, I was just amazed by that story. Yeah. What I was amazed by also is that he was realistic about uh, the, the process. Like he didn't expect anything. He said, I have to put some work into this, right? I have to, yeah. I'm going to start yeah. from the bottom. And it's not the bottom, by the way, being a, a background artist, but no, it is, uh, it is that's a place. not at all. Yeah. It is a place where you can essentially learn the trade by observing 
still being a part of it because we've we've discussed this. I, I there's such an integral part to filmmaking, um, but you're starting in a position where you know you can observe and you're not going to be held accountable for much. Um, you know, you are expected to 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 work under sometimes very grueling um, environments. Um, but it is a, it is a, like, it was interesting. Like he, he took that route. Like some other people say, well, I'm going to go to acting class and, um, you know, uh, understand uh, what it, what it feels like to be an actor. But he was like, no, I want to see what a set looks like. And I think that's really important, um, to understand yeah. the, the, the dynamics of what happens, um, on, on set, because again, it's, it's an environment that a lot of people aren't experienced with. And he, I, I just thought it was, I, I'd never heard that approach. Right. If I'm going to work on a set, I need to know how it's how it works, and what better way than to be a background artist? I, 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 I people sometimes come up to me and will ask me like, what, what should I do to get in the business? I've never said go do background, but that might be my new thing that I that I tell people to do. My my daughter actually, um, she's 15. She's she she does background work. Uh, she's mm. done some background work on a few films. Uh, um, some of her friends are 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 uh, have famous parents that are in the industry, and and uh, they've they've done, I think, background work on now three separate films. And uh, oh wow! You know, eventually, she wants to be an actor. Possibly, it's uh, something that you know that she's she's kind of fiddled with and toyed with. But um, yeah, I thought it's uh, I now hearing Scott and his experience that might be my new. Um, go-to for advice of how to get into the business. He didn't even say like, oh, I'm here and I, I need to get an agent because you know, that's the thing, right? It's like the the chicken or the egg. How do you get an agent? You get a job. How do you get it's a job? Very, it, it's, get I agent. know it's like a, it's a, everyone's on their own journey and it all, t I mean, I started talking about how this, you know, these internet videos changed my life. It's like everyone's on their own journey and there's no one single path to where you want to go. Yeah. But very, very humble approach. And like, like you said, it's like, um, the person who spent more time on set not being the superstar is going to be adequately prepared to to be in the like the lead role when the time comes and know how to treat people also so cool story and we're in Jesse's room um for blackmail escalating this is like Really shitty of Eric. Really shitty. I mean, t a hiding a tape recorder to... It's never really said, much like the cigarettes. It's just kind of implied, like, Jesse and Slater were, you know, maybe making out or getting... I don't know. What What if they were having sex, sir? What if you just recorded your new stepsister? Like, well, what's, wrong, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're the asking the guy whose character uh, taped the girls while they were having a sleepover. Oh, right. That is yeah. true. So it, well, it, but we, we've learned, <laughs> we forgive, we forgive some and we condemn others for the same thing, um, around Bayside. So uh, when you were watching this episode and he's ta he taped them and they're, mm -hmm. they're supposed to be studying, but then there was like some canoodling going on. Did canoodling, you take it? Like, did. did you take it? Like they just were making out or did you think they were actually having sex? Like what? I didn't think they were having sex. No, I didn't. But, it, but so how Slater bad has is made some tape? like. How bad is it? Oh, I mean, I think it's more. I mean, we're, we're now we're in fantasy land. But like, 
I think it's more about being exposed for like a private moment more than the actual content. Mm-hmm. Although I, it's a little confusing because Slater's like been on record saying like Jesse's one of his favorite sports. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's more just like, you know, it is still for a younger audience. Someone yelled at me on Twitter the other day for, for saying it's for kids. Um, but I, you know. Oh, my I God. I mean, it, Tell me they didn't yell at you for saying it's for kids. They did. I got yelled at on Twitter. They were like, stop saying it's for kids. It was made <sighs> for like young adults. I'm like, all right, I guess. Isn't that a kid? I think it was also young, made I mean, for I, children. Still I don't call it a kid. Look, like, I don't, I, look, my point is I read all the angry comments. I certainly can't respond to all of them, but I, I hear you. I hear you, folks. That's all people want <laughs> is to be heard. That's all people want, right? But, and, and, unless, unless you're making out with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you don't right. want to be ah. heard. Smooth transition. Yeah, we've done back back 47. to the tapes. I I I don't know. I I feel like I would have just called his bluff and said, you know what, little shit, go ahead and play it, man. Uh, yeah. And but again, you know, he comes in and and does this, and then the next day we're here in the lot in the uh, the hallway with uh, Slater, and Slater just walks up to him, shake the shit out of this kid, and literally, this is like this is the moment. Give so him brain this damage. This is the point where it gets. Him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, or set also, him on like, fire it, like you wanted to do with the baseball. I yeah, mean, dude, piss, piss on the ball. No, I, I was I was clear. You piss on it. That's the New York thing. We do it on the subway over here. Um, terrible accent. Yeah, I, I awful, awful. I'll get it right by part two. Um, yeah, it's like it Jesse and Slater should have been like, yeah, play it. Get get expelled, dude. Like roll those dice. Like have have fun with that. Instead, he blackmails Slater to use his car. Now, how does he know Slater has a car? Word got around that they—it's very. He's just like I heard. So I heard they you do have a car. I don't know. I, a cool car, like which, to be fair, Slater does have a cool car. We've seen it. He fixed it up. It's it's in the ether. Zach has a cool car too, though. Although it, I guess you could debate whether or not these were like. Whether or not these episodes were before or after Malibu, they they take place in a weird gray area. Yeah, Slater right here. He's like, I'm gonna kill that kid. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Go over there and beat him up, dude. And Kelly's heart of gold. Um, you know, gets the best of her, unfortunately. It wouldn't be complete without a hair flip, though. Yeah. It's a good way to end the scene. Or leave the scene, excuse me. Well, I'd like to leave the scene, but uh, Mr. Belding says he wants to come show us something, and I have in my notes, I'm like, dude. We're in school. Like, We're in school. Yeah, I, 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 you're, I thought the same thing. I was like, he's being awfully pushy. Although I guess, you know what? He calls, hey, he's the boss. It's like, he can, he can excuse you from math class to see his new car. He's, <laughs> he is so prideful. It's so funny. Never caught that as a child. What like a, what like a, what's it called? A Not vulnerable. Oh my God. I don't have words tonight, Mark Paul. That's all prideful. Right. That, was, that was the closest word. Prideful? Is that what you said? He's prideful. Yeah, he's prideful. Yeah. He like wants to show them his new thing he bought. It's Ernest. It's kind of sweet. He's like a kid. No, it's not Ernest. God, this is gonna drive me freaking nuts. It is transparent. Not quite that. Let's just get off of it. And we're at a we're outside here. A little exterior shot of the parking lot. Yeah, um, I don't even rem- uh, obviously I don't remember this, but this is a right, ginormous set for this. Uh, scene. I mean, later I, on we'll use I had it a question, again. Yeah, but it's big. Yeah, it it's it's on the soundstage, correct? Like it yeah. looks 
it no. it's outside inside because it, it, I had this I, I had that thought where I was like, wow, that looks so good. Where do, yeah, like I it's so funny. I thought the same thing. I I read a thing from um, Franco. He was talking about sort of the repurposed sets they used on Saved by the Bell. That they were they were very good about like taking the scraps of other shows and kind of you know breathing new life into them. I think the hospital. I think the hospital is an example, or maybe not. Maybe you guys built the hospital, but this could be that. You know, it's it's interesting, but I I remember when the Miata came out, it was uh, a hot commodity, and the audience mm-hmm. when they see it, they they yeah. verbally uh, you know uh, make a noise like they appreciate this Miata. Yeah, as they should. Uh, I have some Miata stuff here in the notes, as I'm sure you know. Uh, the Miata was introduced in 89, so that was two years before this. Over one million made since then. It's the best-selling two-seat convertible in history. Um, this would have set Belding back between 14300 to 19689 uh, depending on the options, or about twenty eight to $38,000 in 2021 money. And he, according to Belding, he would have gotten a better deal had he spoke Japanese. Yes. Uh, not the best Asian joke, but again, we're in the nineties. Uh, it's also, yeah. Were the were the were the was the car dealer speaking Japanese, sir? I mean, I, <sighs> I, I got a Mazda, and I don't remember. <laughs> I was, I remember being able to speak English at the dealership at the time. Yeah, it's like going to a Mercedes dealership and saying you have to speak German. It's, yeah. it, it's not. Well, a I'm thing. sure they 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 hook you up. <laughs> I'm sure there's a there's a special button they press at the Mercedes dealership if you can you know, haggle in German. Um, I have also here in my notes, this episode features, let's count them, VHS tapes, cassette tapes, and a CD player you'd have to physically install into a car. This is like a bingo sheet of of 90s technology that's all but gone away. And we're in Act 3 in the Max. Uh, Zach has carried around these MC Hammer tickets. He loves carrying tickets around. <laughs> that's just that's just a fact, folks. Can't deny it at this point. And Scott Wolf, our new best friend, my new best friend, your older best friend, uh, the waiter here. Um, and of course, the boom mic in the Max, everyone's favorite patron of the burger. Uh, I have here, Mark Paul, this is my own opinion, but Zach's bribery is ethically more sound here than Eric's blackmail. I mean, they're both using kind of, they're like Zach's bribing Lisa, but it is on the ethical scale, I think, better than what Eric is doing, which is blackmail, which feels very, very dirty. Yeah, uh, 100%. Makes it no, I, I, I agree with you and your assessment. Yeah. Yeah, it, they're both wrong. <laughs> they're both not great, um, but one is certainly less not great. And we're in the halls of Bayside. Um, Lisa agrees to one date, uh, you know, she'll do it. Anything for MC Hammer tickets. He's only the biggest celebrity in the freaking universe at the time. Kelly ends the scene on another zinger. Love that. Let's go to Lost and Found, because Jesse, you lost it. Uh, and we're in the Bayside parking lot for, um, Eric should know this is a setup. He should. He's a schemer, he's a scammer. He's got the largest jacket they sold at the store that week. Uh, he should know that he's being set up. <sighs> Josh is so good at this character, though. Just even the way he says hot car Slater, he's like hot car Slater. You know, he's like Slater becomes Slater. 
It's like, oh, I just want to, I just, just punch him right in the mouth, in the mouth, not the nose, in the the mouth. Also, you know, you know, there's a great place. I mean, guys, listeners, don't beat up anyone. But if you're going to a dimly lit parking lot is like classic. That's like, that's where people get beat up all the time. (laughs) (laughs) This is like Slater. It's like, it's like you literally should have just lured him to this parking lot and then beat him up. (laughs) Problem solved. This guy's ruining all of your lives. Listen, I ain't I ain't beating up anybody uh, in a parking lot because I'm wearing a blue turtleneck <laughs> in this scene. Uh, uh, th- those aren't fighting what? clothes, by the way. No, no, not a lot of mobility. It's like Michael Keaton's bat suit. Just your neck's not going anywhere in that thing. I also like that Eric knows Slater has a has a cool car, but doesn't know what kind of car it is. That's what that's I'm talking funny. about. But that's that's th- really funny. That's what I was implying. In the hallway, like, yeah. how does he know he has a car, but not- He heard like, he had a cool car, car but I, it's, it's crazy. Also, wait, Crumb Rhine Motors. Did you see that on the back of the, I the did. paper plate on the car? I didn't understand what I that- go- What is that? I what is Googled that? it. Oh, you I did? I don't know. Oh. I Googled it. I was like, what does Crumb Rhine mean? All I can figure is there must have been a similarly named dealership, or it's like an inside writer's joke. I mean, it's a choice. Crumb Rhine Motors, someone made that decision. I'm just confused as to what it may have been. And we're in the max here for Eric and Lisa's date. Where, a, uh, where Scott Wolf's uh, character has been working like a 14-hour shift. <laughs> he, he wants to go home so badly, but they just won't let him. Poor guy. He's, he's, back, there, he's back there shoving rabbits into, into French fry baskets. Um, yeah, he, he, took her, he took Lisa to see Casablanca. I feel like I want to know more about Eric. I really do at this point. What pushed him to be such an expert in blackmail who loves classic films? I I just I'm now curious. I'm I want to know what's going on with him too. Beautiful spit take by Lark Voorhees. Not easy to do spit takes, guys. Um, you know, if you have too much water in your mouth, it becomes sort of uh, less of a spit take and more like a dribble. Um, yeah. But she has that perfect like spray, which doesn't. Uh, you know, cause too much damage. Um, really well done. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by her spit take. Love a good spit take. It's just classic comedy. But he does um, this thing though, when he sits next to you and he's going to do it in the car where he just like, he's, he just stares at you. He's like, he's like, he's about to assault you with his eyes. You yeah. know, it's a, it's such yeah. a creepy freaking move that this, this guy does. Yeah. I mean, it's very odd because like while this is a nice scene and i'm glad lisa saw casablanca for the first time it's like this guy sucks he is still a blackmailer who is like very who is really aggressive with you and not respecting your boundaries and like i don't want lisa to like eric i don't i don't want her to have a good time this guy is bad news lisa run 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 but you know hey that's a true story too folks sometimes good people like not so great people especially in high school. It happens. What are you going to do about it? Uh, wouldn't be a say by the Bell episode, Mark Pauls. We're in the parking lot again. If we didn't throw a screech in some kind of zany outfit. So he's hiding out in the bushes. I love it. <laughs> Never doesn't work for me. I love seeing him in his little outfits. What is the scheme here? So we're going to catch him driving in the car. Yeah. So Zach has a taste for blackmail now that Eric has chummed the waters. So he's going to like use this physical evidence to say, hey, you have nothing on me. Cause I, it's like, it's, um, 
it's like countries pointing pointing nuclear weapons at each other. It's like we both have assured mutual destruction. So if you give Belding my tape at the baseball game, I show him driving his car. I know what you're trying to say, but here's you know what here's here's what I think I should have done. I mean, this is I'm I'm obviously saying this for anyone who wants to blackmail someone. Sure, um, of course, yeah. It doesn't have to be this complicated. We give Eric the keys to the car. He gets mm-hmm. in the car. We stand there as he's driving away. I just take Click. a picture. Click. Boom. Even Done. if he saw me taking the photo, what are you going to do about it, pal? I got the film. What are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? Also, Lisa, Lisa doesn't have to go on this date with this fucking creep. Yeah. Like Lisa, it, it, all you have to do is agree to go on the date. That's right. it. Right. Don't be That's there. It. He's going to drive back. And I, I guess we can get the photo then. But why does Screech have to take the photo? Why doesn't Zach or Slater take the photo when he's driving back? Admit, it, 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 what? Why are What's we doing the, this? It's yeah, too I mean, complicated. I don't know. I'm, I'm get. I'm. You know what, Mark Paul? I'm guessing lunch was cold. That's my. That's my hot take. <laughs> <laughs> so because it's complicated, uh, now Lisa is driving the car while yeah. uh, Eric is, you know, staring at her he's like really, he, she's a piece really of laying steak. it on thick. Yeah, like he's staring at her like she is just the last <laughs> helicopter out of a war torn region. <laughs> I won't specify which one. Um, but yeah, it's like, it is just not good. It's not good. And, you know, Screech pops up. Good job on Don getting this action. It's hard to do these kind of scenes. There's a lot going on. And how do you, you know, make it all work? He did a good job. The crash, I mean. And it's to be continued. We won't With finish today. A nice guitar riff. One yeah. hell of a guitar oh, yeah. riff. That's Scott Gale in the mix. And uh, yeah, we will be back next week. Mark Paul for the Wicked Stepbrother Part Two. Uh, any guesses what happens here? You want to just take a shot in the dark? What might happen? Um, well, uh, I would imagine my blackmail scheme doesn't quite pan out the way I wanted it to because I'm taking down one of my own uh, with yes. Lisa. Um, he probably knows now that Lisa was set up to yeah. be his date, so that's not going to end well but maybe lisa's really into this douchebag uh Hmm. which uh you know that could be another to be continued i mean there's so many things are gonna happen i don't know wicked stepbrother part 17 (laughs) yeah we could be here all year for this one i'm Uh, gonna just just have to wait and do my homework you're just gonna have to wait okay well thank you mark paul uh thank you scott wolf uh for the fantastic conversation thank you the listener we'll see you next week zach to the future is a production of cadence 13 It's executive produced by Mark Paul Gossler, myself, and Chris Corcoran. Production and direction led by Terrence Malangone. Editing and mastering by Andy Jaskowitz. Engineering and production coordination by Sean Cherry. Artwork by Kurt Courtney with illustrations by Jeff McCarthy. Marketing is led by Josephina Francis with PR by Hilary Schuf. Thanks to the whole team at Cadence 13 and to you for listening.